We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. What's up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, how are we doing? Katie's coming. Katie could be coming. We just got breaking news from Chris Haynes about an hour ago. We'll dive into that and much more. But as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. As well, this podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag and Blue Chew. But Jack, tell us about that KD news. So Chris Haynes reported a little bit earlier that some of the NBA's biggest superstars formed the united front to resume the 2019-20 season during a private conference call on Monday, league sources told Yahoo Sports. Toward the end of the call, the ramification of the COVID-19 pandemic, all parties were in agreement to take the court with proper safety measures. Players that were included in that, Chris Paul, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Stephen Curry, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, and... Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis as well, but I, I forgot to mention him. Uh, but the one thing that uh, also re- really sp- sticks out to me is that Chris Haynes, in terms of reporting, is the guy that has the line, the direct line to the players more than anyone. And Kevin Durant is one of those guys. So this is incredibly, you know, uh, enthusiastic. I don't know what how to sort of describe it. It's intriguing news because we just heard days ago from Woj that you know he's not going to play. But now Kevin Durant's on conference calls with the NBA and the league superstars to be like, yeah, I want to play. Um, why would he say that he wants to play if he's actually not going to be playing basketball? It seems a bit, you know, contradictory, doesn't it, Nick? 
It does. I mean, and also, like, why would Chris Paul call Kevin Durant if he didn't think there was a possibility of him playing? Obviously, I think they'd value his input regardless, but it just seems being part of this call, especially considering I think there was less than 10 people on this call, like, KD being there is a huge factor. And I also throw this out there. KD's been tweeting a lot lately. His latest rant was about, like, competitiveness and MJ and all things like that. So it just makes you think, like, maybe he's just really itching to play. There's just such a possibility out there. Like you mentioned, Woj told us he wasn't playing, but we had remarks from Sean Marks and Ian Eagle saying optimism and just, like, KD's looking so good. It's just really hard to determine if he's going to play. It's really playing with our emotions right now. Uh, yeah, I feel like Troy from Community, where he's literally just yelling, my emotions, my emotions! <laughs> it's That's literally me. Like, I, I did a podcast on Sunday for JBT, and speaking to, to Paul Headley and Nick Busing, I was literally like, look, Woj said it, it's not happening. And now three days later, we're doing a Brooklyn Buzz. It's like, all right, it's kind of happening. Maybe it is kind of happening. Um, so it is certainly, uh, like I said, you know, it's always a day-by-day proposition, and I'm never putting a decision set in stone and an opinion set in stone. My just opinion on Kevin Durant's return is is going to be incredibly malleable. It is going to be open to change on a day-by-day basis. Chris Haynes and Kevin Durant and, and the players have a, a very good rapport in terms of NBA reporting, like I mentioned. Those guys are as close as you can get, so this is very, very heady news. One thing I am a little bit intrigued about is why Kyrie Irving wasn't on the call, you know, vice president of the Players Association. Maybe it was just like LeBron's like, nah, don't get the little bro on or something like that. I, I, I'm not 100% sure, but... Maybe Kyrie Irving's shoulder injury, maybe he doesn't want to play because he's not going to be playing. Maybe that's why he wasn't on the call. I'm not 100% sure, but you know, all of the players that were on this call were playoff, uh, were a part of playoff team, playoff-bound teams. So it seems to me the most likely thing that is going to happen is that we jump straight into the playoffs. Makes the most sense. You cut out 14 teams, make the quarantine bubbles uh, a lot more safer when you have you know half the amount of people there. You know, I think that it makes a lot of sense. But there's obviously safety concerns uh, are plenty that need to be taken into account. And you know, again, Kevin Durant, a part of that call is is not is is relatively big news. It, it it I mean, it's it's making this Twitter go crazy, and it's making me go crazy. I mean, I just was starting to like finally convince myself, like, hey, we're not going to see KD and Kyrie this year. It's okay. There's next season. We'll get to watch Spencer Karras, you know, in an all-star, I mean, in a playoff series. That should be really fun. And then we get hit with this. It's just like you don't really know what to expect. And obviously the return date is going to play a factor in that. You know, the later the return date is, the more likely it is Kevin Durant is going to play because we obviously heard the, the rumblings about him wanting to play in the Olympics and possibly the start of the season could be at the same time as when the Olympics training was supposed to start. So, I mean, there's just a lot of intrigue. And a guy like Kevin Durant is going to you know, play a huge factor in a ton of things. So his input on the season returning is huge. And like you mentioned, Jack, I think the fact of cutting it from regular season and playoffs, like just having those 14 teams or those 16 teams makes the logistics so much easier. You know what I mean? There's just half as much to worry about and half as much to kind of deal with in terms of planning the on-court time and just playing the games and everything. So it's a really intriguing thing that just got Nets fans super excited on this yeah. Tuesday afternoon. Yeah, I'm sure we'll be doing plenty of pods about this one. But it also makes a lot of sense because, you know, in terms of a lot of takeaways from Adam Silver's calls, you know, he says that he wants full seven-game series. And it yep. doesn't make sense to have full seven-game series and some regular season games. For one, the regular season teams, you know, Steve Kerr's already come out and said that, you know, it makes no sense for us to come back. If you're Atlanta, if you're Phoenix, if you're these teams that aren't in the playoff race, what is the point of you putting yourself, even at the slightest bit of risk, for the other teams essentially to warm themselves up for the playoffs? Yeah. You know, I think the decision that uh, Adam Silver said could go into June. 
So we've still got some time. We've still got a few weeks till there is a, a finality to, to what Adam Silver does decide and the rest of the NBA, along with the players and the Players Association. You know, I think that as well, that extends the, the likelihood of playing time to at least July in my eyes because... You know, Chris Paul uh, has been a strong advocate as well as many other players for at least a three-week training camp. So then, you know, if you're making a decision at the start of June, you know, you're not going to be going like, all right, you're going to play playoffs to basketball tomorrow. No, you get the three weeks to get your bodies ready. And then after that three weeks, we'll jump into some playoff basketball. And, you know, that means it's a July sort of decision at the earliest for me. So July seems to be uh, the earliest point, Nick. I think we'll go as late as August, you know, maybe, maybe late August. And obviously, the later it is, the, the maybe the healthier KD is. Maybe he's healthy now. We have absolutely no idea. But we could be dissecting a 2-7 series with the Raptors very, very soon on the buzz. Yeah, 100%. And I also think another factor, and we kind of got this from the Joe Harris uh, quotes we went through the other day in the news podcast, talking about how the Nets players have been able to go to the facility if they have rehab. It's just one player and one staff member at a time. So you would think KD and Kyrie are able to rehab just one at a time and kind of continuing to work on his game and get in shape. So that gives you some positivity, especially on something we thought that wasn't happening. We thought no players were at the facility. So the fact that guys are still getting rehab work in is huge for a team like the Nets. What does suck, though, is because New York, Brooklyn, uh, essentially the epicenter of the COVID, COVID-19 pandemic in America, you know, there are a few other teams and, and facilities that are opening up around yeah. the country. Uh, the Nets and, and the, you know, the Knicks, if they if they happen to do, you know, non-playoff teams playing basketball, they're not going to be able to get those reps in, you know, unless, you know, obviously we'll probably, Katie and Kyrie probably have some decent facilities around them to be able to access that, but it doesn't seem like it would be safe for, for the Brooklyn Nets to do so. I mean, we haven't heard any news about it. I'm just speculating. But to me, that puts the, the Nets at a little bit of a disadvantage because I think that, you know, if you're talking about some teams and, and some places, you know, Florida, I think, is one of the places. So Miami will probably be able to go to their facility. I'm not 100% sure of the of the rest of the demographics available. But maybe the what makes the most sense is that the, the players immediately want to get to Vegas, want to get to Orlando and get stuck into that bubble so they can start shooting and some hoops, start working on their bodies uh, and get playoff and, and, and playoff ready to, to knock down these Toronto Raptors. I mean, it's again, it is still a, a ways away. We've still got weeks and weeks on end. You know, things ch- changed so damn quickly. Three days ago, I was adamant that Kevin Durant wasn't playing. And now I'm like, okay, my shred of optimism uh, is roaring back. So plenty of things to consider in what is... One of the, the crazy situations that we've ever experienced in the history of, of our existence. Yeah, really. I think like the thing for us is, and I'm not speaking for you or any other Nets fans, but I think most Nets fans will not have a convinced idea of what KD's going to do until we hear it from KD. If KD comes out and says, hey, I'm not returning the season, all right, that'll put an end to it. If KD says, hey, there's a possibility, optimism will get even higher. So there's just so many different factors. Like you said, Jack, this is a situation that no one's ever had to deal with. Like there has never been a pandemic like this in terms of like modern sports and the impact it's having on the, the entire world. Weird question, Nick. Out of all the sort of news rumblings and sort of opinions about Kevin Durant that aren't from Kevin Durant, Whose opinion do you take the most weight from? Is it a Woj? Is it uh, his his business manager, Rich Kleiman? Is it this Chris Haynes report? Obviously, we haven't heard directly from Kevin Durant other than from on Twitter, jumping into some <clears throat> jumping into some replies every now and then, you know, hyping up his boardroom sort of thing. You know, who are you sort of taking the most credence from? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm intrigued to hear. 
Yeah, it's really tough because we're talking about some of the most credible reporters and NBA minds out there. I mean, I think like I have to give most of my credibility when talking about this team to Sean Marks, right? Like he's the GM of the team. He knows what's going on with everything. And we know in the past he's been super conservative. So for him to say something about KD that would give us some optimism is really, really intriguing. But again, it's hard to go against Woj, who's broke pretty much almost all the meaningful news for the NBA over the last like five seasons. So it's hard to go against him. But like you've kind of hinted at before, it's not like Woj was reporting it. It felt more like it was an opinion he had on KD. So I'm going to go with Sean Marks here because I think in this situation, knowing the way he acts in the past, it feels like he would have the most you know credence in his word. Yeah, I mean, Rich Kleiman would have the closest relationship to Kevin Durant. So automatically you would be like, well, how much have they been in contact? And how much has, I would assume, to be honest, that Rich is probably not really asking him. I think that both of them are probably really focusing on promoting the, the boardroom initiative that they that they have going, which has been producing some, some pretty decent content, mind you, as well. Yeah. So I think that that's where their focus lies. I don't think Rich... Kevin Durant doesn't seem like the guy that would be like, don't ask me about it, Rich. Just don't. I'll, like, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll decide. I'll make my own decision. And I think that he is that sort of introverted, reserved guy in a lot of ways that will make the decisions for himself. And I guess until we hear it from the horse's mouth or, you know, the one of the goat's mouths. You know, I'm not going to try that out there. Uh, until we hear it from, <laughs> the, it. from the horse's mouth, then, you know, we don't 100% know. And we aren't going to 100% know. Um, I'm, I'm loving what KD is doing. Um, I, I I, I'm just I'm salivating at the prospect over here, but you know, again, you know, in a, in a couple of days' time, we could hear from Chris Haynes that you know, he, Kevin Durant just wanted to talk to his friends, and he's just like, you guys should do it, and maybe that's what he said. Maybe he just jumped on the, on, maybe they all have a group chat. Maybe it's like a the goat group chat of the of the 29-20 season because that was literally like all of the best players in the NBA right now, apart from like Luka Doncic, um, and and was James Harden on that call? I don't think he was. I think it was. No, it was Russell Westbrook instead. Yeah. So um, obviously they're not the biggest fans of, of James Harden. Um, and Kevin Durant, actually, just looking at the names again, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook were on the same call, Nick. Yeah, they were. I think they've kind of got rid of their bad blood. I think it's kind of happened. It, it's just wondering, too, is like KD talking to those guys, does it make him have more of a thirst to play? Especially like a LeBron knowing like the possibility of playing him in another final series. And we know... That's something that's kind of motivated KD in the past is like always being second to LeBron. And I just like it's such a weird scenario because we haven't heard from KD on this front. So it's just like so much speculation. And I think it's going to continue to be speculation until we actually hear from his mouth. Yeah. And obviously we heard from Kyrie that he wants to take down Kemba. You know, obviously it's I mean, I think these are all things that we'll be discussing in in plenty of pods as well. So I I don't know. if And again, for me, the, the we've spoken about Kevin Durant plenty, but I'm as skeptical and as in the dark about Kyrie Irving. You know, we've heard little bits and pieces about his injury a little bit, and we've also said that it doesn't make a lot of sense for KD to come back without Kyrie. I think that there is a chance that he does because Kevin Durant is just that obsessed with basketball and wants to, and wants to be the driver. And you know, if he would have, I, I have no, I don't think we would win a championship with Kevin Durant just just KD without Kyrie. But, you know, there, where there's a will, there's a way at the end of the day. So I'm still incredibly intrigued to hear from, from Kyrie Irving, from, from Uncle Drew, what, what he's talking about. You know, obviously he's jumping into some Instagram chats here and there and such. I don't know why they aren't asking him if he's coming back yet. I think that's probably the question I would keep asking if I'm in a group chat with Kyrie Irving. Uh, but he'd probably kick me out of it. But <laughs> I think he's asking that to be fair. Um, and I'll probably get a bit over some of the flatter stuff because I'm currently reading some Stephen Hawking books. So maybe we could discuss some cosmology and some astrology with each other. But at the end of the day, 
Kevin Durant, there is news. There is, um, you know, where there is smoke, there is fire. So there's a little bit of smoke there, but uh, there ain't a lot of smoke for Kyrie Irving. And, and that for me, Nick, is something I need to see before I you know, fully get into, you know, the, the Nets winning a, a championship or whatever. But, you know, I want to hear some Kyrie Irving news. Woj, give me something. Sean, give me something. Speak to some more New Zealand reporters. You know, I, I can pretend to be one. I'll, I'll jump on a conference <laughs> call. And, uh, and, and Sean, uh, what about Kyrie? Is Kyrie going to be coming back this season? So, <laughs> I mean, I can do a good Kyrie accent. I did it on the, the rewatch as well. Um, I'm happy to impersonate and commit fraud if it means finding out Kyrie Irving news. Uh, I'd be all for it, as long as you don't go to prison or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> it, it is really interesting on the Kyrie front. It feels like we have more news about KD in terms of like returning, and it's just like on the Kyrie front, it's been super quiet with the injury. All we've kind of heard is like you mentioned the Kemba Walker thing, wanting to get back on the court to destroy guys. So I don't know if he's like training right now or how he is. There's really nothing out there. But I agree. I think it's more likely that we see KD if Kyrie is healthy. I think there's still a possibility like you mentioned. But it just makes more sense for both of them to step on the court because when you have two players of that talent on the court, even without the chemistry and the experience with a team, you have a chance to win pretty much any series. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From the online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even Nathan's hot dog eating contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet online, your online wagering solution. Guys, looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Get to BlueChew.com. BlueChew has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They got the same active ingredients that Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them any time of day, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first order free when you use promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. But I guess we should jump into our mailbag questions because that's what this show is supposed to be about until KD hit us with some news beforehand. So start things off, we got our girl Karen from OTG. Her question is, which of the younger players on the team do you think will benefit from playing with KD and Kyrie next season? Uh, so obviously this is us forecasting, Nick, and, and thinking about... In fact, I'm just going to purely analyze players on the roster right now. Jared Allen will benefit because I think he has had uh, an underrated partnership with Kyrie Irving out there when he has been. I think that Jared has had decent instincts in the pick and roll. I think he's benefited. He's created space for Kyrie Irving. And, and I think that you know he's, he's benefiting in the pick and roll as well. I think that they've had a, a nice enough partnership. And I think that learning from the wisdom of those guys and having the superstars out there will benefit him greatly. Um, I'm not going to classify Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie as young guys, so I'll go to a guy like Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton has already been taking on Kevin Durant in some one-on-one scrimmages, so he is learning purely, plainly, and simply how good this guy can be. You know, I think Claxton can learn a lot defensively, offensively, how to take the three ball, uh, winning habits, 
all those little things that you need to know uh, when you are a rookie heading into your sophomore season, when you're expected to take a jump and you're expected to, sh to show some more consistency. Rodion Skouritz and, and Jalen Moussa have both said that their idols are Kevin Durant and you know, Kyrie Irving. I think Kevin Durant is the main one, but you know, I've seen Kevin Durant put his shoulder around both of them uh, you know, on, on the sidelines of a game during a timeout. And that to me was just like that little thing to know that you know, Kevin Durant is not just this, you know, mythological figure. He's a guy that plays basketball and is wanting to impact the other guys. And I think Kevin Durant has made time a point time and time again when behind the scenes that, you know, his voice is the one when he speaks is the, the loudest in the room. You know, he makes a point of, you know, championship habits, all these little things. Um, I can't necessarily think of any other names um, that sort of spring to mind. But for me, it's about the talent that they bring will automatically make things easier for the young guys. And also, they'll be able to see and learn habits about how to play winning basketball, how to get yourself ready, how to take care of your body, all those little things. And uh, I, I think all of those things will be nothing but positive impacts on the young guys. Yeah, I agree, Jack, pretty much with everything you said. I think automatically right off the bat, regardless of which young players are on the team, everyone's going to benefit being around greatness. Like we know KD is one of the greatest basketball players ever. And same thing, you know, Kyrie, one of the mo the best offensive players ever. And just being around those guys should benefit. But I think in terms of actually impacting on the court, if Jared Allen is still on the team, it's just going to be more attention taken away from him and just more oops and easy dunks and putbacks for him. Because how many times have we seen KD or Kyrie drive to the rim and, you know, take two defenders? Like, they're absorbing the defense's attention right there. And then it just allows a guy like Jared Allen to kind of capitalize on the opportunity. And then you mentioned a guy like Rodion's or Musa. I don't have much faith in Musa getting minutes next year, but I could see Rodion's benefiting because he gets to play more of a complementary role and just kind of shoot threes or cut or just play defense and be tenacious. So I could see that helping him. But I think Jared Allen, if still on the team, would benefit the most just because he has a complimentary skill set and he kind of plays off of other guys definitely i think you know I, I i'm all for jared allen being on this roster next year if it's jared allen deandre jordan i still think that those guys can coexist and you know produce a, a tandem that you know when it comes to uh, uh, again i think deandre will probably be starting for a lot of uh, the, the season but uh, if we have a good enough coach to be like look you know you're not playing good enough basketball jared's out there for for, for extended periods and you know, I think that it might not necessarily please or, or benefit you know, Kyrie and KD's best mate. But uh, though, if those guys truly are all about winning, you know, winning supersedes friendship, as we've heard, as we've heard from you know Michael Jordan on countless, countless occasions. Yeah, it even made him cry in the last uh, documentary episode. But, yep. <laughs> Uh, I think that's a right, Jack, though. I think if Jared Allen's on the team and he's not traded and he's still here and he's playing better than DeAndre, it's hard to see KD and Kyrie complaining about that if Jared Allen is playing better and helping the team win so but moving on to the next question from our boy Will who was just on the show last week excluding Brooke Lopez if you player from the 12 and 70 team to put on the current Nets who would it be and why this was actually a low-key tough question considering how bad that team was uh low-key as well because I wasn't even a Nets fan back then I wasn't even a basketball fan this is like I was you know 18 19 I started sort of really having a look at basketball oh look, LeBron James is pretty good and, and you know oh Kobe Bryant and <laughs> the, Brooklyn, the, the New Jersey Nets at this sort of point were like oh, I have no idea what this team even is so the name that sticks out to me, Nick, is a guy that's still sticking around the NBA, uh, and that's Courtney Lee. You're looking at his three-point percentage, you know, 34%. He's taken the, the second most on the team at 3.2 a game. You know, he can score a little bit. He can play a little bit of defense. At this point, he's only 24 years old as well. Oh, I think Courtney Lee would be the perfect sort of malleable piece to sort of uh, throw into a, a team that we do have now where we need sort of 3 and D role players. 
I have no idea if Courtney Lee was a good defender back in 2009, 2010 when he was 24. Maybe he was. But, you know, he at least has progressed in, um, to what we know now. Obviously, he's in the, the tail point of his career. But he's shown that he can shoot the three ball. He can play a little bit of defense here and there. You know, the other name that sort of I considered was Devin Harris because, you know, he's another guy that uh, has some three-point volume behind him. But, you know, the Nets have way too many guards as it is. And I think that, you know, Chris Chioza would sort of be what Devin Harris is in, in, a, in a little bit of ways. But I think Devin Harris would obviously be a much better version of that if that does make sense. So, uh, and Will did say that we couldn't pick Brooke Lopez. So, I want to preface that. You know, Brooke would have been my number one pick straight away. But uh, I, I'm going to go with Courtney Lee for the sake of the exercise. Yeah, I think Courtney Lee actually makes the most sense here just because he's a complimentary player. We already have the stars. I think having Devin Harris would almost be like having another Spencer Dinwiddie, but probably a little bit less talented. Maybe it's tough to say. Devin Harris did make an all-star game in New Jersey, but I would go with Courtney Lee here. I would maybe, you know, depending on how like the rest of the roster went, you know, Chris Humphreys wouldn't be a terrible like 15th or 14th guys, like an extra big to have on the team. But Courtney Lee, I think, would make the most sense. And, you know, considering we already saw him have success in his career after he left New Jersey, it makes sense for him to be a guy that you know could contribute on a winning team. And the year before, actually, this season, he was on the Orlando Magic starting for them, and they made the NBA Finals. So it, it's, uh, it's Courtney Lee, Will. There's, uh, there's our pick. There's your answer. Really exciting pick right there. That's pretty sad that Courtney Lee was probably the third best player on that team. But getting to our guy, another guy from OTG, Nick Boylan. It says, who are your dream plan, plan B, worst case scenario for offseason acquisitions for the Nets? So, Jack, do you have anything in the mind for the dream plan? The dream plan is Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. <laughs> we've brought that up on, on some pods, Nick. I'm dreaming big. You know, well, I dream of, you know, Drew Holiday, Aaron Gordon. Bradley built to a, a little bit of a loftier dream, but I'm dreaming massive. I'm dreaming Anthony Davis. Why not? I'm dreaming Anthony Davis, Nick. You know, he's obviously uncontracted. You know, he's an unrestricted free agent. So that is my dream. Um, my dreams are incredibly lofty, and they are not going to be achieved. Like a lot of my dreams with my everyday life, I had to be a, a little bit of a savage to myself. But my plan B, you know, obviously those are completely out of the realms of possibility. I think that there is maybe... A 0.5% chance that you know Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid could be available, and probably the same with Anthony Davis. But Plan B is, uh, in terms of off-season acquisitions, um, the Plan B is probably a Drew Holiday or a Bradley Beal or an Aaron Gordon. The, the, we've spoken about those guys. Uh, Alex um, done a nice piece on OGGBasketball.com uh, analyzing those guys, their fit, and and the package that will be available. Those guys have been linked to the Nets the most. You know, obviously, there's a, a varying likelihood about how they become available. And the worst case scenario is something that I don't think is that bad of a scenario and something that Nick has probably advocated a, a little bit even more strongly than I have is, you know, filling out the roster with guys like Serge Ibaka, Millsap, Baines, Noah Von Lade, just these guys that, you know, on minute, Marvin Williams, guys that increase the depth of the roster but can still be playing genuine playoff minutes in the offseason. Uh, not in the offseason, in, in the postseason. So those are, for me, the three sort of realms of, of what I want, what I hope, and what I think, and what could happen. Yeah, I think that's great. Obviously, the dream would be to get, you know, another superstar in Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons. I want with, like, a little bit more realistic dream scenario. It would be acquiring one of the all-stars you mentioned, being Drew Holiday or Bradley Beal, 
and not having to give up both Spencer Dinwiddie or Karis Avert. So if you're able to acquire one of those guys with only giving up Karis or only giving up Spencer and then let's say including Jared Allen or something, I think that's a dream scenario because then you have three, you know, Drew, Drew's not technically an all-star, but let's just account him as an all-star at this point. So you have three all-stars, two superstars, whatever you want to say, and then you have one fringe all-star still on the roster being Spencer or Karis. And I think from a depth perspective, like your team is just dominant. Like you just have so many avenues news to attack it's like you really don't see that much of a drop off when you get to the bench so that would be my dream plan acquiring those guys on like the cheap and you know kind of taking advantage of another front office that's why it's a dream plan b for me would be like acquiring an aaron gordon acquiring a miles turner like one of these guys that's good probably has all-star level talent but hasn't hit that level yet and the nets don't necessarily have to give up a ton to get him maybe it's giving up one of you know karis or spencer giving up torian prince a first round pick jared allen whatever it might be and then like you mentioned you know worst case scenario which i don't even think is a bad scenario and i think this scenario could still lead to the nets playing in the nba finals would be not really making any trades and acquiring a couple veterans yeah i'm I'm with you on that nick Uh, the the worst case scenario isn't that bad of a scenario for the Brooklyn Nets. You know, I, I think the as the days go by, it's becoming probably less and less likely that the Nets do make a splash and are able to acquire that sort of third superstar. Obviously, you know, time will will reveal itself to be, you know, whether we are right or wrong in that regard. But there are plenty of avenues. There are plans A, B, C, dreams, off-season, worst case scenarios that I think will all be beneficial for the Nets. If the Nets weren't to do anything and this team were to go into next season, I think they would still be a championship contender. I think that the Nets do still need a little bit more depth, so I would be disappointed if there aren't at least fringe roster changes made. You know, I don't want Wilson Chandler to be the the starting power forward or, or playing key rotation minutes. I don't mind him as a Jared Dudley type playing as the 10th or 11th man jumping out there when possible. I want to lessen the role of the guys that have had to play above themselves this year. Wilson Chandler, Garrett Temple are the ones that spring to mind. So we can get some guys like, you know, Serge Ibaka, like Marcus Gasol's probably waning a little bit, but Paul Millsap, you know, these sort of guys that, you know, probably uh, are lofty sort of dreams as well because maybe it is more likely that we were to get a Drew Holiday or something because of the what we were to give up in return. Whereas, you know, the, the guys that we've spoken about are maybe looking for, for different things. Maybe they want that one last payday and, and the Nets can't necessarily give that to them. So there are plenty of scenarios, but as long as the Nets increase the depth of their roster in some form or another, I'm going to be happy. If nothing is done, uh, which I don't see really happening, I, I can't see Sean Mark sitting and resting on his laurels. Uh, but if he does, then I would be pretty disappointed as a fan of this team. Yeah, I think you'd be slightly disappointed if, you know, there's no moves made. But the Nets do have taxpayer mid-level exception. They do have a first-round pick they can move or first-round picks in the future. I'd be extremely surprised if Sean Marks didn't acquire at least one player that could impact winning in this upcoming offseason. But getting on to another OTG, OTG guy, our guy Khalil. How much will Joe Harris cost? Will they keep him? Well, luckily, Khalil, we just discussed this on the Brooklyn Buzz season review of Joe Harris, so we got this fresh in our mind. Jack, you want to hit him? Yep, it was a discuss with Nolan Jensen. Um, so if you want some real in-depth Joe Harris talk and uh, a final monologue from me at the end of the pod, definitely <laughs> check that one out. Uh, but uh, the number I was sort of saying was 10 to 18 million. That's the range. Will they keep him? Uh, I'm pretty confident of it. But again, you know that confidence can change on a, on a day-by-day basis because of what he provides this team. Uh, in terms of alongside Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, I think he is more of a better complementary piece than Spencer Dinwiddie and, and, and Karis Levert, despite the fact that he is clearly not a more talented player than them. So I think that they will keep him. 
I think that the number he does get is something around the range that Nolan brought up. You know, two years, $30 million, something around that sort of range. Maybe maybe a 340. Um, um, obviously, you know, Torian Prince got 229. So I was sort of thinking around that range as well. Uh, maybe Joe wants an extended deal. I'm not 100% sure. But anywhere in the realms of a per annum deal of 10 to $18 million. 18 being something that the Nets are forced to give him because in Atlanta or a Memphis or, or a mix, who knows, maybe they actually get smart with um, some of their contracts um, maneuvering. They force the Nets' hand. And um, in that sense, yeah, I think Joe hopefully will stick around. And um, if he does, I'm going to be a, a bloody happy man. Yeah, I'm pretty confident Joe is staying in Brooklyn over this offseason. I would almost put it probably like 85%, maybe even higher. I just feel like, why would you not retain a guy that you know can help you win games, especially when it's kind of all in for this upcoming season, the season after that? And I think I was actually pondering on the idea a little bit more. I actually wouldn't be completely surprised if Joe signed a one-year deal because we hear that's going to be a big thing for a lot of free agents. There's going to be a ton of cap space next year. So if Joe wanted to maybe sign like a one-year deal from anywhere from 12 to 15 million, I think that makes a lot of sense for him too. And in terms of like the contract number, like you, like I think anywhere from 12 to 15 million makes the most sense. I wouldn't be surprised if it got higher because of a team trying to overpay, but I think Joe will get paid pretty well this summer. Yeah, I, I now, think yeah, the the CBA does, sorry, Nick, I think the CBA certainly will have an effect on that. You know, obviously, I think that the NBA will be looking and go, okay, well, if these guys are going this amount of money, maybe we only count this much towards the cap because we know that there will be a jump again next season and we don't want to have that sort of, you know, Timothy Mosgov, Luau Dang, you know, Bismarck Biombo sort of contracts lying around in the 2021 offseason because there are going to be a lot more free agents then. And I, I think a lot of players have maneuvered themselves that way so they can be a free agent at that point. And maybe Joe Harris does do the one-year deal. But, you know, what two years, $60 million was a bargain, despite what some people did say at the time. Um, I expect him to get, you know, a, a lot more than that in the offseason. Um, and he is going to be getting paid. I wouldn't be surprised if Joe also got a deal where people will say the same thing about it being like two years, $32 million or something like that. And then all of a sudden, the following offseason, everyone's like, ah, oh, shit, this is a steal because the cap jumps or everyone has cap space. And then you see and all these guys get overpaid you know what you're getting in Joe Harris. So I think in terms of the number, I'm not really positive on anything, but in terms of the Nets retaining him, I'm pretty confident in that. But on to our last question, oh, one of our last questions from Colin Brady. On the roster today, who, who is still on the team in 2024? This is probably the toughest question we got. Yeah, I this one stumped me a lot, Nick. So if we go through the likelihood of players, uh, Spencer Dimwini, I am... I'm not 100% confident because of, you know, basically the trade rumors that rely around him. But out of the guys on the roster right now, I'm probably higher on him than others because of, you know, his loyalty to the franchise to bringing him up, etc., etc. Toyin Prince, I'm not confident on at all. Jared Allen, I'm not confident on at all because of the trade rumors that do rely around him. If he were to get an extension, then I think he's probably the most likely one. Joe Harris, I'm a little bit more confident on just because I think that he has understood, you know, and, and if we see the the realms of his deal, you know, if he gets a, a three-year deal, you know, I think that he he was more than likely to re-up for another year and kick around uh, in in Brooklyn. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, you know, I think his contract goes till 2023, 2024. So I think that that might be the last year we do see him in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. Garrett Temple, I think, will likely be retired by then. Karis LeVert. Who are you more confident out of Karis LeVert and Spencer Dinwiddie, Nick? 
I'm more confident in Karras just because of the way his where his contract ends. I think, you know, Spencer, we don't think he's going to take the player option after the 2021 season. He's probably going to get paid, and I'm not sure if the Nets will be able to afford him because, like I've mentioned before, the way he's playing and if he can, continues to play at that level, it's hard to see him getting anything less than like $17 million because I think he's proven to be a starting point guard in the NBA. So it gets to a point where can you really ask Joe Psy to pay an excessive amount of money where when Karras' contract runs out, you also possibly have Katie and Kyrie off the books and you might be like, hey, I need to retain this talent in case you know Katie uh, retires, goes to a different team or same thing with Kyrie. You don't really what knows what's going to happen with those guys. So I feel like if Karras isn't traded this season, I feel like it's more likely to be him. But if Spencer were to sign a deal in obviously 2021, then that's the guy. So I, I think right now I feel more confident in Karras. And I'm trying to do that without any bias. Yeah, no, it does make the most sense. Obviously, looking at the contracts and stuff, no Nets player is signed for the 23-24 season. So the, the, the guys who have the, the longest-term contracts, KD, Kyrie, DeAndre, uh, Karras, uh, Musa does have uh, his qualifying offer uh, that season uh, for the season before as well. So those are the guys that you're probably putting the realms of possibility. Maybe we see Kyrie Irving become a you know a season a career Brooklyn net. I would not be surprised. You know he's going to be around 32 or 33 around that stage. Kevin Durant might be you know he might be out of the league by then. You know he said before that he wants to end his career when he's 35. Um, and I don't know how much I buy into that, but by that time, he will be very getting very close to that age, and maybe he that is his final season. His final season is as a Brooklyn Net, but if we're ranking, let's go like the top five guys from most likely to the fifth most likely, Nick. Give me some names. I honestly think Karis would be number one on my list. I think number two would be Kyrie, because like you mentioned, Jack, I think there's a good chance he signs another contract with Brooklyn. Long as everything goes well, we don't have any issues. This is close to his hometown. He's not going to like leave and go to a West Coast team or something like that. So I would put him at number two. Number three, I mean, like it's so so much of it is so tough is because you don't know who's going to be traded. If we're assuming no guy is going to be traded and they're all going to stay in the team, Jared Allen seems really likely too because they give him a contract extension. They could probably get him on a cheap deal because they've been kind of messing with his minutes in terms of like starting and coming off the bench. Like the fourth and fifth guy, I mean, I really don't know. Joe Harris is a guy that pops into my mind, but I wouldn't be surprised if Joe takes his next contract with the Nets. Let's say it's two or three years. It's not necessarily a payday, but he wins a championship or two with Brooklyn. And then someone at that time is offering him a crazy contract. And like the Nets just feel like it's going to be an overpay. So maybe they let Joe go. You have to look maybe, I guess, you know what? Uh, Nick Claxton will make the list for me. I think you, okay. you don't, Nick Claxton's a guy. I don't think they're going to trade him. I think they believe in his upside. Obviously some of that was Kenny, but I think uh, Claxton would be another guy. And I honestly don't think I have a fifth name for you. Fair enough. I, I would probably stick with you with those names. I'm going with probably Joe Harris as well you know, to chuck him in that list because I want him to be on this team for as long as I am a Nets fan. And I think that we could see Joe Harris take a route of, in the latter points of his career, do what JJ Redick does. Go where the money is. and get, you know, that at, get that cash and at least be on a team that is somewhat decent enough. You know, I thought that JJ was could have read up in, in Philly. I thought that would have been benefit to him. But you know, New Orleans offered him a nice deal and he got that money. You know, you've only got so long in the league where you can earn this sort of amount of money and you know, be on uh, some crazy, crazy deals in, in terms of that. So you know, I, I think Claxton makes a lot of sense too, Nick, because you know, he, he's, his contract his second as a second round pick uh, expires in 2022, 2023. I would see him being more likely to be on the roster than Jared Allen. 
And if you're talking about yeah. having some some youth on the roster and some talent in that sort of respect, then I think the the Nets would be remiss to to not offer some sort of extension to Nicholas Claxton. You know, Rodion's courts as well is a guy whose deal ends at the same sort of time, uh, except that he has uh, the 21 and 22 season. Uh, the Nets do have a team option on him, so he might be traded in some sort of package. But I think. Maybe Kurutz is more likely than Jared Allen. I, I'm not 100% sure because Jared Allen does have more value on the market as in, as a trade piece in different packages to, to third teams or whatever. But yeah, I think, I, I guess least likely, Nick, who is the least likely to be on this roster to, to take it from a different sort of tangent? DeAndre Jordan, I think. I think at that point, his career is probably over. The Nets are probably done with him. He's pro- He might even retire from basketball at that point. I think, as much as I hate to say it, I love Spencer, but I just think it's hard to see the Nets retaining him with a contract offer he's going to get in 2021. Garrett Temple is pretty much a no-go for me, like you mentioned. He's probably retired. I think the Nets will probably be sick of Torian Prince by then. Uh, Wilson Chandler probably retired. Um, I don't have much confidence in Musa. I know some Nets fans have confidence in Musa, but I just don't have confidence in the player he'll be. He might not even be in the NBA at that point. Probably the same thing with Theo Pinson. You know, it's a guy we didn't mention who could possibly be on the team in, uh, in 2024 would be TLC. Yeah, I mean, if the, the Nets are giving him some sort of minimum deals and, you know, he's to take less, you know, and, you know maybe he's playing some G League and NBA basketball. He's filling out the roster a little bit. Um, I'm sure that would be remiss to say if we didn't mention uh, the entire roster. Maybe maybe Chai Time. Maybe Chris Chios is sticking around. He, he gets you know, more than $80,000 a season. So, I mean, we've essentially analyzed every single player on the <laughs> That's roster. That's so crazy to think about. You got somebody on the top of the roster. Yeah, no, I was just saying it's crazy that Chios is making $80,000 and you have KD at the top making almost $40 million. He's probably making like $80,000 a day. It's, it's yeah, insane. Yeah. But, you know, Kevin Durant is probably a $41 million and $920,000 better player than... Chris Chioza, to be fair as well, when he's healthy, when he's healthy. But, you know, Chris Chioza, if we're talking about value deals in the NBA in, in 1920, Nick, you know, at $80,000 for a guy who's played, you know, a couple of games here and there and had some nice little flashy moments, uh, it's a damn good deal for, for eighty grand. And if the Nets retain Chioza as that third point guard, which I don't think is a guarantee moving forward, but let's say they do, and he's still on the team when Spencer's let go, he'd be a guy they'd probably look to t- keep and have as that like backup point guard, unless they want to make an upgrade. I don't know what type of ceiling Chris Chioza has, but he could be a guy that you know is maybe your third string point guard at that time as well. Exactly, exactly. Uh, we've got a couple more, Nick. Do you want me to touch on these ones? Yeah, drop them out, Jack. All right, so we had uh, Charles, another alumni from otdbasketball.com, jump in and ask the, the comparison points for Shits Creek characters and Brooklyn Nets characters. I'm going to have to take this one, Nick, because you have no idea of this show. Good show, by the way. Really good show. I haven't watched it in a while. I need to get back to that last season. Um, and there are some fantastic characters. So Alexis, who is uh, very sort of flashy, materialistic in that sort of way, I'm going to go with... Ooh, who we got on the roster? Who who do we think? Is a, I'm going to go with DeAndre Jordan. I think DeAndre is a guy, and she oh because she loves to wear hats. So yeah, DeAndre he loves Jordan his hats. loves his hats. So DeAndre Jordan, Alexis Rose, you guys are are going to be there. And David, one of the great characters in recent television comedy history. David is uh, quite a, a materialistic guy himself, but he's also a go getter. Uh, I think David is the Kevin Durant of the Brooklyn Nets. You know, I think David is one of the best characters on the show, uh, provides a lot of value, well-dressed, and everyone's always looking to him for, for great lines. I think David is Kevin Durant. Moira, 
is uh, the mother, uh, and she is has a, a wonderful voice and an equally wonderful dress sense. She's a little bit weird, a little bit kooky. So I'm going to go with uh, Kyrie Irving for this one. I think Kyrie Irving uh, fits the bill for for Moira. Bit of a, an out there sort of thinker, you know, doing some weird things. But everyone's sort of listening to her because you know she's got some clout. She's got some. Uh, she's got the sort of you know clout behind her. I'm trying to think of some other guys that would fit the bill. Let's go with uh, Mutt. And Mutt is a very handsome bearded man. So who does that mean, Nick Faye? <laughs> Joe Harris. <laughs> that means Joe Harris. Uh, Joe Harris is a much sexier man, but uh, Mutt is still a good-looking dude with a, with a solid beard game. Uh, I'm not going to disrespect it uh, whatsoever. Trying to look at some other different names. I think that's the one that stick out the most. Uh, Ted, who is a lovely, lovely guy and is just so damn lovable. Everyone sort of loves him. Who's that guy on our roster? Probably Karis LeVert. You know, Karis yeah. LeVert seems to be the most lovable Brooklyn net on the team. Um, and I, I think those are the names that sort of stick out for me the most, Nick. Um, Charles, you know, if you want to hit me up with uh, any more of my incorrect decisions or any more characters, you know where to find me at the JMN JBT. Yeah, I mean, don't have much to input here, but I think Jack did a great job with the comparisons based off of the quick summary of the characters we received. There we go. Um, final one, Nick. From uh, my guy, Paul Headley, uh, who guested on JBT recently. And he, look, my guy isn't a big Kyrie Irving fan. So he came up with this. Which Kyrie is your favorite Kyrie? I've collected at least 22, but poetry book in the back pocket Kyrie still eludes me. I guess this question is about the sort of personality of Kyrie Irving and the enigmatic nature of him. And uh, what do you have on that, my friend? On Tuck Kyrie, because that's a Kyrie right there, and that one's one of the most unguardable ones in the NBA, or probably my second favorite would be Finals Kyrie. Yeah, I mean, Untucked Kyrie is infamous. Uh, we have Mask Kyrie, which is uh, pretty damn good himself. You know, Finals Kyrie is probably the best version of Kyrie. I want Finals Kyrie for 82 games a season. Uh, Just give yeah. it to me for the postseason. I don't even care about the regular season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. I'm with that. And, you know, in terms of the sort of different side of Kyrie Irving. When he's speaking to the media, I like reflective Kyrie when he's, you know, in, in the sort of opening press conference, you know, Katie was quite frosty. He didn't really give a shit. He didn't want to be there. But Kyrie was honest, forthright, and he was talking about, you know, the family a dynamic that he had that impacted his his tenure in Brook, in, in Boston, sorry. Um, and, you know, the, the opposite realm of that is, you know, calling out Kyrie, you know, bad teammate Kyrie. Uh, that's the, the Kyrie I don't want. I don't want him to deliberately leave out Joe Harris, Jared Allen, these sort of guys when we're talking about, you know, guys that make the most sense on the roster going forward. Um, so I, I like it when he, I, I am always intrigued when he does speak to the media because he is a, he's a good quote at the end of the day. You know, he's always going to give you something. But when he's saying something, I want it to be positive things. I want it to be introspective in a way that isn't, you know, hurting the, the dynamic of the team. So those are sort of things off the court that are for Kyrie speak out to me. And you know, we haven't heard him speak a lot, but competitive Kyrie is certainly getting going. He wants to take down Kemba. Yeah, I think it's pretty much a difference between positive or negative Kyrie. And I feel like you can almost get the sense of it before he answers the question based off of his body language. Like you can read him, like you mentioned, Jack, on, you know, a media day press conference, happy, positive, a lot of smiles. After that Philly game where he left out Joe Harris and Jared Allen, you could kind of feel the negativity in his face. Like you could just tell he wasn't happy. He was displeased. And obviously some of that was his performance. Some of that was the performance of the team. So I agree with yeah. you 100% on that. 
And and that's one thing that annoyed me the most, and I put it at his worst performance of the, the season for Nets Republic, because he played so badly. Why are you calling yeah. out everyone else? Take some responsibility. You're supposed to be a leader in the locker room. Again, th- this is me looking back months and months ago. I've gotten over it, but uh, at the time, I was I was quite frustrated by it because what a leader does is he, he looks to himself. He looks in the mirror and goes, okay, what did I do wrong? And there wasn't a lot of times where Kyrie was like, look, I, I missed a few shots, but uh, a lot of the time he has actually done that. You know, in the 51-point performance and some of the out where we lost to the 10 balls, he was like, look, I don't give a shit. I, I scored a lot, but I wanted to win. Whereas in this one, you know, we saw the frosty Kyrie that we are. A lot of uh, Nets fans certainly aren't, aren't fans of, but, you know, a lot of clickbaity NBA Twitter trolls certainly are a fan of in, in a lot of ways too. Yeah, Jack, I guess a question for you. Who do you think is going to be the biggest leader on this team next season? And it could be on the court, off the court. Like, who do you think is going to have the biggest role in terms of leadership? For- Look, for me, Nick, I think it's it, it could honestly be a, a DeAndre Jordan. You know, I, I think that, yeah. it, and we've heard sort of Sean Mark sort of say, and, you know, a lot of Nets people have sort of got, got up in arms about, you know, one having one leader. You know, we don't have LeBron James. We don't have, you know, James Harden. You know, we have, you know, a committee of guys, you know, KD and Kyrie, can share that responsibility. I think Kyrie has been raved about quite a bit by by Nets fans. I think KD probably is, is the guy that sort of leads by actions, and he has he's done it in, in OKC where he's done it alongside Russell Westbrook. You know, and I think he'll be the guy that probably is behind the scenes, says less, but when he does talk, that's when it does matter, as I sort of mentioned earlier. I think DeAndre is probably the glue that holds everything together, and it's probably the sort of... One that provides the relief from from guys who can, from two guys who can be quite intense in KD and Kyrie. And I think low-key Spencer Dimity could be a guy as well that could have a, a big impact in the locker room. I think that all of our guys have spoken about that we, they know that Kyrie and KD, they're the guys where we're just following them. But I think Spencer Dimwitty will be, uh, if he is on the team, will be the guy that is probably the next one to be, okay, I'm going to have an impact here. I'm going to make my voice heard. He's not... He's not shy for, for, for having takes. And you know, he's spoken about, you know, what the NBA should be doing this season. He did say he was drinking some wine, but he did make some salient points at the same time. Yeah, I agree. I think DeAndre is probably the guy that connects, you know, the superstars to maybe the role players or whatever you want to say. And it seems like he already has a pretty good relationship with everybody on the team, considering how funny he is. And I think Wilson Chandler said he'd be the guy he wanted to get locked up in quarantine with because he's just the most interesting player on the team. And I think from Katie and Kyrie, it will be more leading by example on the court. And like you mentioned, in casual words from Katie, which carry a lot of weight. That's right. All right, Jack, anything else you want to tackle before we get out of here? Look, there was, I mean, we could have touched on the Spencer Dinwiddie comments, but I think a lot of them, um, he was just, check out the thread on his Twitter because um, <laughs> we, we, we've been doing Spencer Dinwiddie Twitter watch on, on some news pods. Uh, but, you know, sometimes there's just too many tweets from Spence. And, you know, I'm I'm happy that he, he's talking because, you know, he's the guy that's providing different ideas about, you know, the, the season returning in the first place. You know, the NBA PA and different guys were getting into contact with him. But, yeah, definitely check that one out. You know, if there's any new breaking KD or Kyrie news, you know that we're going to be here um, and the buzz has got you covered. We got you covered and we'll be continuing our season reviews as well. Like Jack mentioned, we just dropped Joe Harris. And if you guys ever have questions, it doesn't just have to be a mailbag episode. We're more than happy to answer them on any occasion, especially when we're doing the streams. But as always, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. 
relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.